Deep inside every one of us is a lion waiting to be unleashed. Are you ready to be unleashed into your destiny? As we stand on the edge of time, the web of deception is being unraveled. Carl Joseph offers you the red pill and the keys to unlock the shackles of your mind. Get ready to be transformed by God's supernatural power. Let's join him now. Friend, welcome to our broadcast today, and we're carrying on with our theme of chapter-by-chapter chapter review. And today we're going to look at John chapter 14. Now, it's very important to note at this time in Jesus' life, he is giving his final address before his death. Some have compared chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17 of John to Moses' last address to his people before his death in Deuteronomy 31 through 33. But the point is, here's the kicker. Jesus is about to die. Things are getting very serious. He's not going to see the disciples again for a while. He's going to send another comforter, which he will mention in this chapter. But understand that these are arguably the secrets of the kingdom because he's saying, look, I got to go. I got to leave you. You need to know some stuff. So I really enjoy John chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17 especially because it gives us deep insight into the things that Jesus cares for, the truths that he really wants you to know. So friend, I want you to get a hold of it. Jesus offers some very specific encouragement regarding the Spirit of God in this chapter and the role that he will play in the lives of the disciples. And that applies to us, friend. So let us now begin with verse 1. What does he say? Jesus is speaking. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Let's stop right there. Are you letting your heart be troubled, friend? Do you know that it's your responsibility to guard your heart against worry, anxiety, and, and stresses and cares and angst and all these other things? You know, some people just pop pills. That's how they get over stuff. That's how they get through the day. They just take another pill. Friend, if you're that person, put the pills down, okay? There's a comforter who is ready to comfort you, spoken of in this chapter, who is ready to warm your heart and get you through the day, okay? Now, in verse 2, it says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Friend, the Father in his house has already prepared mansions for you, for those who believe in Christ. And I actually believe that this is a rapture verse right? Because Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you and I will come again. Friend, he's coming again for the rapture of the blessed church, the restrainer who is going to be taken out and departed from this earth. And then once we are removed, the Antichrist may rise in the timing of God. Yes, friend, you have a place in heaven specific to your very desires, a place that God has prepared for you. He knows what you like. Okay, he knows what you enjoy, and that is a reward for your faithfulness on this earth. Then in verse 4, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said, look, Lord, we do not know the way you're going and how we can know the way. Jesus said to him, I'm the way, I'm the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Friend, this is an exclusive gospel. It's exclusive. It's not inclusive. Inclusive is a very popular word right now. We're all together. We're all the same. We're all accepted by God, no matter what we believe. Nonsense. Okay. If you look at the near-death experiences right now, 
right now, 85 to 90% of them are positive. Oh, I left my body. I went down a dark tunnel. I went towards the light. And then I saw my great-grandma sitting by the fence. Well, that sounds cute, doesn't it? But let me tell you right now, it says that Satan comes as an angel of light to deceive many. 2 Corinthians 11.14 bears witness to this. And marvel not, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Just because all these people are having wonderfully positive experiences, or NDEs as they're called, listen, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to heaven. That's a fact. The Bible is true, and don't believe the rest of it, friend. Satan in the transitional realm between heaven and hell could influence that realm to get people to believe that everybody's accepted in the inclusive gospel, but they're not. The truth is the truth is the truth. There are not many paths to the summit of Salvation Mountain. There's only one way and one path. Amen? Then in verse 7 it says, If you had known me, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him, and have seen him. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father, and how say it you, show us the Father. Now listen, some people think that God is this big guy on a throne with a big fluffy beard and a stick, ready to smack people over the head, but they love Jesus. Oh, that Jesus, he's so nice and he's so caring, right? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the manifestation of Father God on earth. Okay? They're not schizophrenic. The Godhead is not schizophrenic or bipolar. They're the same, right? It's one God and three personalities, right? So if you read Acts 10:38, and I'm going to read that now because that's coming up in my spirit. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Oh, there's so much theology in this verse. First of all, God anointed Jesus to do the tasks of delivering people from the devil and all who were oppressed by him, for God was with him. Don't get the devil and God confused, friend. Okay, Jesus was the manifestation of God the Father. It was his desire to see people well and to deliver the oppressed and set at liberty them that were bruised and heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free, right? Luke 4.18 discusses this, the desire of the Father. And then in verse 10, it says, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. Yes, friend, the Holy Spirit does the works in you. Jesus desires that you do works as well, okay? We are supposed to do the works of Jesus on this earth. It says it explicitly where in this chapter. It's coming up. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe for me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, get ready, friend. He that believes on me the works that I do, he shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Now listen, Jesus had the Spirit without measure, okay? When he was on the earth, the Holy Spirit was without measure upon Jesus. He did absolutely wonderful things, okay? The power of God was almost infinite on him. And it says that in John chapter 3, verse 34. It says, For whom God hath sent, speaks the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit, but by measure unto him. Okay? The him is Jesus here. 
Jesus performed absolutely wonderful miracles. But guess what? As the collective body of Christ, we are able to do more works and greater works than Jesus did. Because his spirit is disseminated in, what, 680 million people or whatever it is on the earth who are spirit-filled, okay? And non-spirit-filled people can pray and they can see miracles as well because God honors faith, right? So the works he did, we are to be doing also. Collectively as the body of Christ, we can do greater works. Amen. But remember that Jesus had the spirit without measure. We have a measure of that same spirit. But the point is we should be motivated to destroy the works of the enemy. That's why Jesus came. Remember 1 John 3.8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And friend, it's your job to implement the destruction of the works of Satan in your life and for those around you. Now, the battle's already won. Jesus defeated Satan on the cross. We are the occupying army. We're not the warring army, okay? But we enforce the victory that's already been won with our authority and designated power. Okay, that's our job as Christians. We're not milk toast Christians. We are supposed to be brave. We're supposed to be bold. All right. Bold in opposition to the works of the enemy. I'm not talking about arrogant. There's a difference. But it says here in verse 13, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Whatever, what are you asking in the name here? If you go to Mark 16, 17, it says in my name, right? That's the name of Jesus. They shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. In the name, right? Asking anything in my name. That is what God will honor, friend. And that includes petitions as well. That includes our needs. But there's power in the name. And when we petition, we petition the Father in the name of Jesus. And when we want to move in destroying the works of the devil, we command Satan in Jesus' name to get out of our life. Or we command the tumor to wither and die. Or we command the cancer to wither and die. Okay? We have to know our identity in Christ Jesus. It is absolutely imperative. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And here it is. You know, this is how it all connects, all ties together. We have to stay in love. Love vertically from the Father to us and laterally from us to other people. That's so important for us to move within the boundaries of the designated power that he has won for us. Then in verse 16, now here's the kicker. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter, right? That means Jesus was a comforter up to that point in time. But another one is coming that he may abide with you forever. Friend, if you're saved, if you're born again, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. And then in addition, for ministerial purposes, you may be endued with power from on high. That would be a second encounter with the Holy Spirit as we've discussed. But this spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. The world can't receive the Holy Spirit. Only those who put faith in Christ can receive the Holy Spirit. He is our down payment. He is our earnest money for heaven. He's the down payment for your trip that you're going to make there one day to see Christ. And he will reveal the mansion that he has prepared for you. Amen. Verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while and the world sees me no more. But you see me because I live, you shall also live. Friend, this term comforter is really paraclete in the Greek. 
It's mentioned four times in John's Gospel in reference to the Holy Spirit. And it's also mentioned in 1 John 2.1. In fact, 1 John 2.1 labels Jesus himself as a paraclete, describing him as a mediator who pleads with his Father on behalf of his followers in light of his atoning work. Friend, a parakeet is what's in the kitchen in the cage. A paraclete is your comforter, your strengthener, your standby, your advocate, the one who lives on the inside of you. And think about it. Jesus had been with these guys for two and a half to three years, and he's leaving, and they were most upset. But he's like, look, I comforted you, friends, and I'm going to comfort you in my absence by the Holy Spirit. And when I die on that cross, and I am resurrected, I will then disseminate this Holy Spirit within your hearts, and this is how you're going to do the works that I want you to do in my name, which is to destroy the works of the enemy. Okay? Friend, we shouldn't be passive in our faith. We should believe as Jesus did and rise up knowing our identity in righteousness and knowing that we have right standing with God, move in the very works that Jesus did. Okay? This is not for some special crowd. This is for people who believe on the name of Christ. You know, an advocate is somebody who sticks up for you in the heavenly realms. When the accuser comes, Jesus the advocate is going to stand up and say, no, that person's covered in my blood. Amen. And this word is used uh, in different instances. For example, it's called helper in the NASB and advocate in the NIV and comforter in the King James or counselor in in different translations. And so they've tried to translate this word in the best way possible, but it doesn't really give the full essence of the word. The comforter can comfort you at any moment in travail, in persecution. Whatever you're going through, comfort is available 24-7. Friend, get to know your comforter. You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who's witnessed God's supernatural power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl is a unique researcher who investigates current affairs, societal trends, technology, cults, and end-time events, all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded, so stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button 